we are holding by Perik Beis, the second chapter of Tanya. Um, last week, in the end of Perik Aleph, we, the Alter Rebbe mentioned, thank you, in the name of Rabbi Chaim Vital, who said in the name of the Arizal, that every Yid has two souls. Two Neshamais, two Nefashais, two souls. He based it on a Pasuk that says, Neshamais Sisi, Hashem says, I created Neshamais. And he says, everyone is made up of two different souls, entire um, beings. And the first one, which we discussed in short at the end of last class, is called the Nefesh Abahamis, or the Nefesh Hativis, or the Nefesh Achiyunis. We discussed the various names last week. The natural soul, the vital soul, the animal soul. Um, and that's the basic human soul that we have. Today, in chapter 2, in Peri Beis, we're introduced to the godly soul. The holy godly soul that really is what makes every Yid a Yid. It's something that we have it's a, by birth. A person who's born to a Jewish mother or goes through a gear, a conversion according to Allah, has this second soul which makes them, which is what makes them a Yid. The um, the Al-Tarebbe opens up the Perik, the words, V'nefesh hashenis bi Yisrael, the second soul within a Yid, Hichelek alika mimal mamash, is a part of Hashem above mamash, literally. Literally a part of Hashem above. Now, this is a very famous and important Tanya quote. It's really the quote that says so much about what the essence of a Jew is. The second soul, which is a part of Hashem above. So a couple of, couple of points. First of all, it's called the second soul. Why is it the second soul? You think that if we were made up of an animal soul, physical soul, human soul, plus a godly soul, that the godly soul would be called our first soul. And yet, in Tanya he's very clear, the wording is very precise, and the godly soul is called our second soul. It's the nefesh hashenis. And the question is, why? Why is, it the, why is it the second soul? And there's more than one answer to that question. Uh, first of all, time-wise, it comes in second. We know that when a person is born, really their godly soul is not fully part of them yet. And the godly soul doesn't fully become part of a child until their bar or bas mitzvah. It was by the bar or bas mitzvah that the godly soul fully enters and takes hold, so to speak, within the person. And therefore, it's the animal soul the human soul, that comes first. So chronologically, in time order, it's the nefesh hashenis, it's the second soul, because it's the one that comes second into the person. That's first of all. Secondly, it's the second soul as far as our natural feeling. In other words, our first natural feeling about things is not our godly soul. When we wake up in the morning, our natural desire, our natural feeling is not godly necessarily. It's animalistic, it's self-centered, it's desirous of whatever it wants, but it's not necessarily godly. It's the godly soul that comes second. It's the one that's less natural, next, less automatic to us. And that's why it's called nefesh hashemis. It's the second soul. For these two reasons. It's the second chronologically, in the order when it comes in. It's the second as far as our feelings are concerned. However, though it's the second in order and second as far as feelings, it's the essence of who we are. It's the more essential soul of a Yid, which is why we see um, that when we're pushed against the wall, when we're somewhat broken, it's the godliness that comes out, that shines strongest. And very much in the present time that we're living through, there's 
so many, so many situations and stories of people that in a time of difficulty, in a time of tsara, in a time of, of, of pain, that the godly soul sh- suddenly shines very powerfully. And it's the story of the Jewish people that it's the difficulties that many times brings us together and washes away the external stuff and allows for the godliness to shine through. So this godly soul that makes up who we are, on the one hand, again, is secondary. It's not our natural soul, but it is our essential soul. It's the essence of who we are. Um, in the last mimer that the Rebbe edited and, and gave out to us, which was called Vata Titzave, a mimer Vata Titzave, and I think we'll come even back to it tonight, perhaps. So there he talks about the Pasek that says, talks about the, um, the olive oil that was given to Moshe Rabbeinu I was crushed for the Menorah. The Pasek says, Kasis Lamoir. When you crush the olive, that's when you get the, the purest light from it, the purest oil which gives the light. And he says that's really a euphemism for us. Sometimes it's when we're crushed that the etzem, that the essence of our neshama comes out, and sometimes that crushing can be very painful. And in the mind where he says it doesn't have to be something external, we could do it on our own. But be that as it may, when we get away, when we, when we break down the external um, barriers, it's the neshama, it's the nefesh alikis, the godly soul, that shines strongest within ourselves. Okay, so that's as far as the nefesh hashenis b'Yisrael, the second soul. The words are, is a chilek elika mimal mamish. It's literally a part of heaven. Now, really, the words chilek eloka mimal is a quote from a pasuk. When he says that the soul is a part of Hashem above, that's a pasuk from Eov, where he uses those words chilek eloka mimal. The Atarebbe adds the word mamish. What does mamish mean? We use it a lot. What does mamish mean? Mamish means literally. Right? Like literally. Not, it's not like a part of Hashem, sort of, so to speak, like euphemistically. It's literally a part of Hashem. And there's another meaning to the word mamish also. Mamish means something that you can touch, like substance. <laughs> like it's something that you can actually touch and feel. And this chilek alakami mal, this part of Hashem above that's so high and so sublime and so holy, is something that can even be touched, seen, expressed down here in a person in this physical world. So even a person down here is able to touch, experience that godly soul that's the essence of who we are as a Yid. Right? Um, Quick recap, we're talking about the second chapter of Tanya, the second soul, which is the essential soul of a Yid, the Chelek Olokami Mal, this part of Hashem above, which as the Altarebbe says, is a Chelek Olokami Mal, Mamash, literally a part of Hashem above. Now, to support this, he brings a couple of psukim in the Torah. Firstly, when the first soul was brought into this world, so Hashem creates Adam, and the Pasuk says, Vayipach ba'apov nishmas chayim, that Hashem blows into Adam's nostrils a soul of life. And it's interesting, it's the only time that blowing is used in the entire six days of creation. Right? Hashem in the six days of creation created multitudes of creations, uh, thousands or millions or whatever of creations, and everything was created through dibur, through talking. Right? Vayomer elokim yehi or vayomer elokim, you know, tachiha or esdesha. All of the creations were created with speech. And in fact, in the Mishnah, we talk about the asara mamuros, the ten utterances with which Hashem created the world. One time, and one time only in creation, does Hashem use the word blow? Vayipach ba'apav, Hashem blows into Adam's nostrils the soul of life. Why blow? 
Why is suddenly the concept of blowing um, being used? Now, of course, we have to understand when it says Hashem blows, Hashem doesn't have a mouth and Hashem doesn't have breath. So when Hashem says blow, that means He's trying to teach us something using blowing as a metaphor that we should understand. So what's unique about when we blow versus when we talk? Right? All of us can talk, all of us can blow. What's the difference between talking and blowing? There's no sound in blowing. There doesn't have to be a sound in blowing. <laughs> right? Um, but there's something more about blowing that blow, if we blow after a few seconds, we'll get very tired out and ultimately we'll feel faint. Because when we're blowing, we're blowing from much deeper within ourselves than the breath that we're giving out when we're just talking. So when we're verbalizing, when we're talking, there's breath that's coming out of our mouth, but it's not as deep. It's not, take, not coming from as deep within ourselves versus when we blow, blowing, so to say, we're giving it our all when we're blowing, and that's why we can't do it for very long. Whereas talking, some people can talk forever, right? But <laughs> blowing takes more effort and energy. Says the Zohar, that why does it say about the creation of man, about the first soul, Vayipach ba'apav, says the Zohar, because just like when one blows, one gives their essence into the breath, the same as when Hashem blew the first neshama into the first man, into Adam HaRishan, he was giving from his very essence. So that the neshama, the soul, came from deeper within Hashem than any other creation throughout the six days of creation. And in fact, that includes malachim, angels. Now, angels are very spiritual and very holy, and they're not in the body. In many ways, we're impressed by them, or, or um, uh, that's what I'm looking for. Um, okay, well, impressed by their greatness and their holiness or whatever. But really, the soul of man is from a higher level than angels. Because angels are created by Hashem's dibur, by Hashem's speech, like all other creations. And it's only the soul that's created from Hashem's blowing which again represents that deeper level of Hashem. Interestingly, in the morning, we say, the first bracha we make in the morning is Elokai Nishama, right? After we say the Moda'ani, thanking Hashem for waking up, then the first proper bracha with Hashem's name, um, actually we say the Asher Yatsar, and then we say Elokai Nishama Shanasata Bi, we thank Hashem for the Nishama that He gave us back every day. And what do we say about the Nishama? Tahorahi. Right? It's, it's pure. Ata barasa, you created it. Ata yitzarta, you formed it. Vata nafachta bi. And you blew it into me. So again, we, we um, express that this neshama comes from a very deep level within Hashem. It's blown into us. Um, interestingly, and I'll, I'll go and drop off Kabbalistically over here. When we say the Elokai neshama, we're referring to a number of different levels of our soul. Right? We say, Tahorahi, uh, that's called, Kabbalistically, um, when it's in the world of Atsilus. I'm not going to get into the details now. Ata Barasa is the world of Bria, the next world. Ata Yitzarta, the world of Yitzira, which is the next. Ata Nafachta is the way it comes down here. The way it comes down here, it's Hashem blowing it into me. And really what we're saying is that when we're coming down into this world, which is a tough world sometimes to be in, especially spiritually speaking, we recognize that the soul that we have is a part of Hashem Himself and therefore enables us to overcome whatever we need to and remain connected to Hashem no matter where we are, even in the lowliest of worlds. It's interesting, the angels are very, very spiritual and holy as long as they're in heaven. Um, the Medrash says that the angels tell Hashem, he says, why are you so excited about man? We're, we're so much more spiritual than, than them. And Hashem says, no problem, I'll send you down to the world. 
And they came to the world and they became the Nephilim, those giants that the Pasuk talks about that became very, very evil. They didn't have the ability to remain holy while they were in this world. It's only the Neshama. It's only us that have a Neshama, that part of Hashem Himself that was blown into us, that have the ability to remain connected no matter where we are, even in a very difficult situation and even in a world that, in so many ways, challenges that relationship. But the Neshama is stronger because of its essential relationship to Hashem. So far, but... When a person is born... You talk louder for the people yeah. listening. <laughs> That's right. So, so, when, um, so when a person is born, part of the Nefesh case comes in? Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise the person wouldn't exist just with the Nefesh Bahamas? Well, I don't know if it wouldn't exist because a person, uh, a non-Jew, um, doesn't exist with the Nefesh mm-hmm. right? So you could exist without it. But a person is definitely Jewish from birth. So part of the Nefesh already is there. But it does not fully internalized within the person until their bar bas mitzvah. And so, so then what makes a, a non-Jew breathe? Like I always feel, when you say to blow in the, the nefesh, I would think that's what makes them breathe? No, 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 no. Nefesh yeah. Bahamas. No, that's fine. Even us, even a yid, their, their actual human vital soul is, is the nefesh Bahamas. The godly soul is something deeper that's given into the nefesh Bahamas. The vitality of a person, the breathing of a person, the, the hand motions of a person is going to be the nefesh Bahamas, even by a yid as well. Okay? The nefesh Bahamas is this added thing that makes the yid a yid, that makes us Jewish. It's not the breathing piece. No, it's not. It's not. It was breathed into our nostrils, but it's not the way we breathe. Okay. Correct. So a guy only has nefesh, a nefesh Bahamas? Correct. Correct. Nefesh Bahamas has many positive aspects to it as well. We talked about that last week. That Bahamas, oh, you weren't here last I week, don't right? To it. You right. Said that Bahamas has this negative connotation. I think yeah. you were saying it's called the natural soul, the Nefesh Ativis, the human soul. Um, let's not go over okay. that right now, right? I'll listen. Okay. So we have here the Nefesh Halokis, the godly soul, which is blown into Hashem. Then the Alter Rebbe moves on and he says another idea that talks about how this nefesh, how this godly soul is one with Hashem, is the fact that we are called in Chumash, banim atem la Hashem We're called children of Hashem. Um, both in, already when Moshe Rabbeinu is by, uh, standing before Paro, he says, Hashem says, b'ni b'chayri Yisrael. He says, my child, my b'chor, klal Yisrael. And this is even before we're an official nation, we're just children of the Oves, Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov. And then later in Chumash Devarim, Banim Atem LaHashem Alokechem, we're children to Hashem. So, and again, when the Torah calls us children of Hashem, it's trying to teach us something about a relationship. And in Tanya, what he tells us is that just like a child, when a child comes, a child comes from their parent. And their child comes very essentially from their, there's a very, very deep and essential relationship between the child and the parent. And using Tanya terminology, the child comes from the essence of the moach ha'av. Moach is the, the mind or the brain of the father. That's where the essential, the first, um, the first, uh, fr- the first uh, source of the child is sourced in the mind, essentially in the mind of the parent. And that's why there's such an essential connection of a parent and a child. It's interesting, it says, sometimes a child does a lot better than their parents in certain areas. Right? Sometimes a child could be very, I don't know, smart. And the parents, not so. Or the child could be very musical, or the child could be very talented in different things. And you don't see that in the parents. Right? So it says, using the terminology of the Gemara, sometimes it's, Yofe koach haben mikoach haav. 
Sometimes the koach of the child seems to exceed that of the parent. Says in Chassidus, it's not that really the child has something the parent doesn't have. It's just that the parent never expressed it. And the child is expressing it. But if the parent wouldn't have had it, the child wouldn't have it either. Because where does the child come from? Right? So of course, a person might have a talent that's unused. And their child or grandchild might, might express that talent and become a very talented, again, singer, musician, artist, whatever, whatever it is, builder. But it's not because the parent didn't have it within them. It must have been somewhere in the essence of the parent if it was something that somehow came out in a revealed for, uh, source, uh, a revealed form that is in the child. So, so Hasidah says, again, the wording of the Gemara was, which literally sounds like the child is doing better than the parent. But really it's than the father. But really it's it's taken from the parent. This this that the child did so great is because that was essentially within the father all the way back. The point being that if there's a child and a parent, the child is essentially connected, has the essence of the parent within them. And everything that the child is going to have comes from the parent. So, so what's with the father? Yeah. What's you with said the mother. I yeah, what's with the mother? I meant, I like, I mean, child the father. Uh, uh, okay, fine. Okay, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. We'll, actually, we'll see. We'll see as the as the peric, as the peric unfolds. Yeah. Okay. Um, in Hasidus, the child, the essence comes from the father, and the uh, maturation, the ninth through through, uh, through the nine month uh, gestation period in the mother, that becomes developed. The development is much more from the mother, and the source is much more from the father. Okay. So when it says over here that banim atem la Hashem that we're called children from Hashem, or B'ni B'chori Yisrael. What we're talking about is this neshama, this neshama which is part of Hashem, which Hashem, so to speak, blows into Adam's nostrils and becomes the neshama of, of Klal Yisrael ultimately. This is coming from the essence of Hashem, and this becomes the essence of the neshama of a person. Now, he goes off into a little bit of a tangent, which is, we're saying it comes from the moach ha'av, the, the words of the Tanya and the words of Kabbalah is, is, it comes from the mind. That the essence of the child comes from the mind of the father. Now, mind, when we think of the mind, we're thinking typically about, the, the mind is the brain. Brain is intellect. Is intellect the essence of a person? So we would think, intellect is something we think about, we do, but that doesn't connote the essence of the father. It comes from a certain place in the brain. How is that the essence? If we want to say that we come from the very essence of Hashem, and then we say, well, we're like a child-father relationship, and the, ch- and the father-child-father relationship starts in the brain, how does that work with our relationship with the essence of Hashem? Well, doesn't the neshama in the brain? Okay, it does. It, the neshama, the way it is in us, is more in our brain, when the, and the, um, the animal side is more in the heart, which we'll talk, do with in later chapters. But here is, we're trying to figure out, where's the essence, where's it coming from within Hashem? So, is it, we talk about Hashem's brain, and again, everything we say we have to understand, Hashem doesn't have a brain, but we're, we're bringing out a point. We're talking about Hashem's brain. So he brings in something very interesting from the Rambam. The Rambam says that Hashem's understanding and Hashem's mind doesn't work like ours. By us, by a human being, there is who we are, and there is our understanding, and there is what we know, and they're different entities. 
right? There's a person. The person has a certain capacity of knowledge and understanding. And then a person picks up pieces of information. Really, when we know something, anything we know, we're really bringing together a number of things. There's me and my brain and the, thing, and the piece of information I just picked up. Says Rambam, Hashem doesn't work that way. By Hashem, and this is a quote that the Rambam is, uh, is famous for, he says, by Hashem, it's all one. He, in one entity, is the source of knowledge. I'm sorry. He is, he is the knower. He is the knowledge. And he's the thing that knows. And it all comes together as one in Hashem. And the Rambam goes ahead and says, and we can't really comprehend that. The way Hashem's seichel, the way Hashem's knowledge or understanding or brain, if you will, works, says the Rambam, is beyond our capacity to understand because by Hashem, it's all one. The Rambam actually uses that when he discusses one of the great philosophical questions about freedom of choice versus Hashem's knowledge of everything that will be. Right? Great question. Do we have freedom of choice? Does Hashem already know what's going to be? And the Rambam says, you know what, at the end of the day, we can't understand the way Hashem understands things because his understanding works differently than ours. So that in Hashem, what's important for us here in Tanya is that when it comes to Hashem, his understanding, his seichel, his, his wisdom, and himself are one. And therefore, bringing it back, so when the Torah says, we're Hashem's child, like a child of Hashem, and the child means that we come from the mind, from the brain, from the wisdom of the Father. In Hashem language, that means that our soul comes from the very essence of Hashem. That's why he brought in this whole Rambam to tell us about the way Hashem's mind works differently than our minds. Hashem's mind is one with Him. If we're rooted in Hashem's mind, that means that we come from the very essence of Hashem. There is a Kabbalistic footnote on the side. I'm just going to mention it. And that, that statement of the Rambam was very challenged by the Maral of Prague. In lengthy writings, he felt it was um, incorrect to say that Hashem's wisdom and Hashem are one. Hashem is beyond wisdom. The whole wisdom is only a creation. And he wrote very harshly against the Rambam. But in the footnote, the Altarebbe deals with that and irons it out and explains according to the Arizal and Ramosha Kordaviro how the Rambam's words are true. And he says, it works. <laughs> he says, although it's a great uh, de debate amongst the earlier you know, Kabbalists and philosophers. Nevertheless, the Arizal accepted it, the Moshe Kodavira, the Ramak accepted it, and therefore Tanya goes with it as well. So to summarize, because we said a number of things over here, what we learned so far is that we have that second soul, and that second soul is a chilek alukami mal mamish, it's a part of Hashem, um, and that's why Hashem blew that soul into us, and that's why we're called children of Hashem, because that soul is sourced within the essence of Hashem, and that's ultimately the essence of who we are and why we are a Yid. That's the opener of the chapter. The Tanya continues, it says, well, if we all have a soul, and that soul is a part of Hashem, then all of us really are the same level. Right? We all have a part of it, the essence of Hashem within us, so then there shouldn't seem to be differences between people. But that's not true. We know that there's multitudes of levels in souls. In general, there's a concept in the Gemara called Yeridas Hadoros. What does Yeridas Hadoros mean? That the generations as a whole have gotten lesser, spiritually speaking. Which means that there's higher souls, greater souls, loftier souls, the souls of earlier generations. And as the generations move on and we get closer and closer to the coming of Mashiach, the souls are of lesser spiritual quality, if you will. 
So much so, that what are the souls of our generation called? We're called, what, what is our generation called from a, uh, well, one of the ways our generation is called, is the generation of Ikve de Meshicha, or Ikvisa de Meshach, and Ekev is a heel. So the heel is, you know, the bottom of the person. We're, you know, all the way down there in the bottom, right? And we don't mean anything personal here, but as far as the soul picture is going on, we're the souls at the bottom of the, at the bottom of the I feet. Thought it was, I thought it was the footsteps of Mashiach. Okay. So, Ikva said the Mashiach can mean also, and that's true as well. One, one um, explanation to that, to that um, quote is that we're, we're at the last steps of time before the coming of Mashiach. But when we're talking about the souls, we're talking about that our souls are at the bottom of the body of souls. So we're, we're told that also, so we're the lowest, the, low, the lowest of souls. Like a new soul, old soul thing, also. That's another concept that a soul comes back again and again and again. Are That's older souls, lower souls. I'm sorry. Are older souls lower souls? What do you mean by older? Like if you've been here a bunch of times, right? Like I, are you? Is that a lower level soul? I don't know if that is. Oh, possibly, possibly, but there isn't really any more new souls. I mean, all the souls that we have are finishing up the job. Uh-huh. Uh, for a new soul to come in this world is a great big thing and doesn't happen very often. Um, basically, the souls of our generations are souls that are finishing up jobs. But is that why they're lower? I guess is my question. Possibly. I mean, they've Possibly, yeah. Because they've already they... completed a lot, completed, and they're coming again to finish something up. So it's, the, it's like the last levels that have to be finished up. Okay? So that's, in general, when we talk about the generations, there's this generational things of Yerida Sadovas. Mm-hmm. And then, within a generation alone, even in our generation, there are certain very holy, lofty, lofty souls, souls of Tzadikim, that are like head souls for the people of that generation. And that you have in every generation. In other words, way back when, everyone was on a higher level, but there was still the great tzaddikim of the generations. Today, when the vast majority of souls are on our lower level, but there's still the tzaddikim, those souls that are there to guide, to teach, to inspire, to connect the souls of the generation. So, how do we reconcile these two facts? Then on the one fact, on the one hand, we're saying every person, each and every, each and every one of us has a soul that's a part of Hashem, that's a literal part of Hashem. And then we say, yeah, but there's a higher soul and a lower soul and a much lower soul and a head soul and a heart soul and a foot soul and a, and a heel soul. But if every soul is part of Hashem, how do we reconcile those two? And this is where the Alter Rebbe moves into the whole concept of um, development of souls. There is the essence of everybody's soul, no matter who. If I'm a Yid, and I have a nefesh or lakis, a godly soul, then the essence of that is a part of Hashem above and comes directly from Hashem above. However, as it travels down, if you will, through the generations and through the time and through the worlds, each soul develops differently. And based on its form of development, or which level it connects to is whether it's going to be a higher or lower soul. To understand that better, he gives the metaphor of the gestation period. And that's what I mentioned earlier. There is the essence of a child, right? When there's that, that uh, drop, the, um, the drop, the drop, the, what is called the seminal drop from which an entire body is going to be built. That seminal drop has everything in it. Right? A baby is going to be born, there's going to be ultimately a head, and there's going to be a foot, and there's going to be a tiny toe, and there's going to be a heart, and there's going to be a lung, a lungs. There's going to be every part of the baby, and all that is included within one seminal drop. That seminal drop 
through a nine-month gestation period, develops. And at the end of that time, well, now there's a little brain, and now there's eyes, and now there's a nose, and now there's an elbow, and, a, and knees, and toes, and a heel, right? All of those come from exactly the same place. All those were included exactly in the same place, but as they developed, each one took on a different level, if you will, in the body of this new child. And this new child is going to be a person, a man, a woman, it's going to be a person, an entire person. Now, when you look at that person, is every part of the person the same? No. This is the head, this is the heart, this is the toe, and this is the heel. Is every part the same important in the bigger picture of a person? No, one is a much, much, uh, much greater role in leading the person and guiding the person. So in the developmental state of what happens with that seminal drop is where you have so many different levels and different parts of the body that are created. And the same is with the neshamas. Every single neshama, of every single yid at its core and at its essence is what? A chelik eloka mimal mamish. There's a part of Hashem. There's a part of Hashem that's at the essence of the neshama of every single yid. And that part can't be quantified and is not greater or smaller. And that's why, can, you, can one really say that one person is greater essentially than another? One yid is greater? No. Because everyone is a part of Hashem. However, the way that soul developed in Hashem's great picture of the development of souls, then it depends in which, in which generation it is, and in that generation, what's the particular mission of that neshama, and every neshama therefore develops in its own way, in its own form, the way Hashem wants that neshama to be, and that's why there are differences in levels of souls, and therefore in missions of people and what they have to accomplish. And that's how the Alter Rebbe sees these two ideas not as a contradiction, but there's the essence of the soul, what we call in Hebrew the etzem ha-neshama, the essence of the soul, which is a part of Hashem no matter what. And that essence, nothing that we can do can change it. Right? And that's why a yid is always a yid, no matter what they do or they don't do, because that essential part and connection to Hashem is always going to be there. And that's why, for example, one of the interesting things in Torah that we have a number of times is that the Jewish people are counted. Right? In Chumash Bamidbar especially, they're counted a number of times. What's, why is Hashem constantly counting us? Or what's the message of counting? That ultimately every person counts as one. The greatest tzaddik, the greatest sinner. Each one is one in Klal Yisrael. Though, of course, the tzaddik has a tremendous job and, and mission and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, he has one neshama. And so does the other person, even if that neshama is so covered over and on such a low level. So, you know what I don't understand? <clears throat> um, does the neshama develop with Hashem? Like, in, in when you're saying, like, it comes to the different worlds and the different doros, is it, is it developed before it's born? Or are you saying the way that the neshama, the neshama develops and grows in this world that, that the levels are different. Okay. The question was asked, does the development of a neshama that we're talking about is before birth or through a person's avod, through a right. person does? Right. The answer is what we're talking about is before birth. We, I mean, there's truth to the development after birth also. That's a different, uh, that's very up to each and every one of us, how we develop and how we do and act and so on and so forth, which is true but a different conversation. Here he's talking about the level of the neshama that I get. 
When I receive a neshama, it's already at a certain level. So a great tzaddik receives a certain type of a neshama. A person in an earlier generation received a certain type of a neshama. And a regular person in this generation will receive a certain type of neshama. So we're talking about the developmental stages of the neshama before they come into the person. So when Hashem blows the neshama into a person, this developmental piece is part of what's blown in. Correct. The Correct. This Correct. Mental piece of what level this. Of what level neshama comes in. Right. It goes together. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And everyone has obviously exactly the level neshama that they need to fulfill what they have to. Right. Hashem has the big picture and knows who gets what and why, and everyone is given what they need. Okay. So then, now he moves on to another. Yeah. Sorry. Do we know at what point the neshama is put in, like, comes into the body? When we're born? Like, is that when the baby is... Inside. Oh, uh-huh. you're asking about the neshama before birth, when the neshama is in the womb, when it's a little fetus. Yeah. So there is... That's a good question. So there is already a level of the neshama in the body when it's a fetus. In fact, it's written that when the fetus is in the... When the uh, fetus is in the womb, it's already learning different parts of Torah. Mm-hmm. As it says, the Malach teaches that the entire Torah um, in the womb. Right? So definitely there's a neshama element there. And yet, to a greater level, it connects to the body after birth. And in a final level, by a bar bas mitzvah. Mm-hmm. So there is already a level of neshama as a fetus, and then there is at, at birth, and then there's bar bas mitzvah. Okay. And one more thing is, does, when the neshama goes back to Hashem, whatever, however that works, is that the, just the essence of the neshama, or is it like the developed... Develop neshama with whatever we've developed, whatever we've done, and we've fulfilled that mission. And again, we didn't fulfill it completely many times. The neshama will come again to add to that, but ultimately we bring back with us everything that we accomplished and did. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by, I don't understand this, there's one level of the neshama in the womb, and then it births, and then basmas. What's that level of that? How much of the neshama connects with the body? You know, there's, in, there's a fetus, there's a body that's developing there. So there's a certain relationship between the neshama and that body. That relationship gets more cemented, if you will, by birth, and more by a barabbas mitzvah. In other words, the neshama is a complete entity without a body. When there was no body, the neshama existed already. The neshama is traveling down from Hashem and becoming connected and involved with this body. So it becomes somewhat connected with the body as the body is just being created in the womb. Then as the body is born, the child is born, now it's a a live human being, so now the neshama is much more connected with this body. When the person, the boy or girl becomes barabbas mitzvah, then the neshama becomes fully invested in this body. When this person passes away, the neshama is removed from the body. Right, so this it's all about this. This neshama, which existed before and after the body, becomes more and more connected with the body through those stages. So these are levels of connection. Correct. Correct. But so when it's not fully in, it's just like hovering. Yeah. Around the person. Yeah. A shell. Yeah. Even I mean, even after it's in, a lot of it is hovering. Okay, we're going off into a general conversation, but you have, you have to understand a neshama is not like a physical thing that sits inside my head or somewhere. 
It's all a question of connectivity. How deeply and powerfully is it connected? There's always going to be aspects of the neshama that remain above and beyond. That's called the root of the neshama that remains higher than me, but nevertheless is connected with the neshama within me because it's one neshama. Okay, that's beyond you. We'll get there. <laughs> okay. There's, an ashama, there's part of the neshama that's at the caver. Right, 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 right. right. This, when, this, we're talking about something very spiritual and very holy, and therefore there's a lot of levels and a lot of parts and so on and so forth. And... Right. Learn, the science of it. The science of the Nishama. Okay. <laughs> the Nishama is at the Chuppah, you know, like yeah, your yeah. children, the grandparents. Um, correct, correct, so correct. I have another question. It's a little political here. Um, <laughs> so when we talk about, yeah. like, you know, when they talk about, like, abortion and things like that, the Nishama is already in a fetus. Right. So therefore, you can't do that. Is this, that this correct? Is that's not, that, that's why it's not a Jew? Yeah, but that's for a non-Jew as well. That, that's not specifically about a nefesh alakist. Our conversation now is more about the Jewish soul. Okay. The concept of life is not is solely not connected to the, with the neshama. That's life, and life is a Jew and non-Jew alike, alike. And abortion is a problem with a non-Jew alike. It's not because of the neshama. It's because of being alive, which is the nefesh. Okay. Which is the, the nefesh Yeah, the, the basic nefesh, the life, the, the vital, the vitality of a, of a human being. Life okay. source. I'm sorry? I said life source. Life source, okay. Um, we move on to a very fascinating and important point, which is using this metaphor of the developed body. Right? So we had the seminal drop, which is what came from the mind of the father, which has everything within it. And now we have an entire developed body of hands and feet and everything, a whole human being. Right? And this is all a metaphor for our neshama, which comes from Hashem, the essence of Hashem. All of us have the neshama that's from the essence of Hashem. And yet it develops, and then there is all different types of levels of neshamas. But after a child is born, and there's all different parts of the body, and there's a hand and a foot and a head, and all of the parts of the body still have to remain connected to the mind. The mind of the child, which now becomes the new person. I'm sorry if I'm not being clear. There's, there's a father, and the father gives that seminal drop. That seminal drop now becomes developed into an entire body. Right? That new entire body, which all comes initially from the seminal drop, but developed into all different parts of the body, all in order that it should be alive and connected and re has to remain connected to the mind of this new body. The mind of the body is the guiding force and the life force of this new child that every part of it comes from the father. What is that? That's the metaphor. What is that back in the Nishamas? And here we come to the concept of Sadiqim. What is a tzaddik neshama versus all of our neshamas? Every generation has tzaddikim. Every generation has multitudes of people. All of us are neshamas. Every single one of us has a neshama, which is a chilek or a kamimal, a part of Hashem in heaven. But all of us are neshamas that sort of developed into different parts of the neshama body. Who's the mind of that neshama body that comes from Hashem? That's the tzaddik or the tzaddikim of the generation, that they're the mind center of all of the neshamas that were created, which keeps us all connected to our source. 
and ultimately to Hashem. Okay, let's, let's follow the metaphor. There's a parent. The parent has that seminal drop which creates a child. The child now is going to develop into an entire child with who knows how many parts, right? Millions, billions of parts that make up this child. But at the very center of that child is the child's brain, that mind. And the rest of the child developed and developed and developed and became every part of the child. But then in order for every part of the child to remain alive and connected and vitalized, it connects to the brain of this child. Why, why brain? Be hard. Like, why brain? Because if we're, follow, if we're following along with the child coming from the brain of the father, right? We're going here with the understanding it all starts with the brain. So there's the father's brain. The father gives out this drop that comes ultimately from the brain. That brain develops, develops, develops from the brain. So now it's the brain of the child. So in, that's all the metaphor form. The analog of all that, or that's the analogy. The analog of all that is Hashem and Neshamas. All of us come from Hashem. Yet each of our Neshamas develop into a certain part of the big body of Neshamas of the world. All of us retain our connection to the source through the mind Neshamas. The head neshamas that are there in every generation that connect all of us together and connect us all back to Hashem. This is, um, we know in, in Hasidus all the way back from the Baal Shem Tov, Hasidus placed a tremendous emphasis on the concept of a Rebbe. What does the word Rebbe stand for? The actual word Rebbe stands for Rosh B'nai Yisrael. A head of the Jewish people. What does that mean? The head? The center of Chayis, the center of spiritual energy, the center of life, that through that Rebbe, we all come together and are connected to our Father in Heaven. Not that we're not connected on our own, because all of us have the essence of our Neshama, but we became developed. And being that we're developed, we're a certain part of the picture, and what unifies us and brings us all together and connects, that's the Tzaddikim of the generation. It's a very Hasidic concept, but as the Al-Tarebi says here in this chapter, it's very much rooted in the Gemara. The Gemara says, on the, the Pasuk says, Ubo Sidbuk, that there is, I'm sorry, Uladafka Bo. The Torah says, Chumash Devarim, there's a mitzvah to cleave to Hashem, Uladafka Bo. Says the Gemara, how? How does one cleave to Hashem? Says the Gemara, Kol Hadovik B'Talmidei Chachamim, when one connects themselves to the true Talmidei Chachamim, so the Torah looks at it as if you became directly connected to Hashem. So the Gemara is telling us already that if I want to connect myself, strengthen that connection to Hashem, Hashem gave me a way. There are certain neshamas that didn't really develop much. Now that doesn't sound good, didn't develop much. But I mean in a positive way they didn't develop much. They didn't leave their essential form where they come from. Whereas... Most neshamas started off that seminal drop of Hashem's chachma, but then they became fingers and toes and parts of us. But there are those that retain that pristine relationship, that holy relationship, and that's the tzaddik neshama. And in fact, he says here in Tanya, in all of this, all from this chapter that we're looking at today, chapter two, he says that what about a person who says, "I don't want to connect to tzaddikim. I'm good on my own. I don't. I don't need it. I'm. I'm, I'm good." Which, by the way, there was someone who said that in Chumash. Who's the one who represents, I don't need Sadiqim? was Korach. Right? What did Korach say? Actually, when, when Korach said his thing in Chumash, he says, we're all holy. Why do we need Moshe Rabbeinu? Right? Kichal ha'eda kulam kedoshim, u'betocham Hashem. We're all 
holy, we all connected to Hashem, and he was right. We are holy, we are all connected to Hashem, and yet Hashem created a system that connects all the neshamas directly to Hashem, and that's that head neshama that remains, that retains that initial purity from the Father in other from Hashem in heaven. One head neshama? There's one primary head neshama, and then there's other tzaddikim in a generation as well. Is there's there's some Exactly, right? There's, and even in a body, there's central parts of the body. There's different, there's a heart, there's a liver, there's certain things that are much more general for everything else. We need that one head. Dish. But there's one head called Sadiq Yisod Olam. It says, oh, it's a secret. But it <laughs> says this, Sadiq right? Yisod Olam, there's the Sadiq Yisod Olam, and there's Talmidei Chachamim, great Neshamas that connect us to Hashem. Right? He doesn't say here that always throughout all the generations we knew or always knew. It doesn't say that. But those, that connection happens on its own. In other words, it's not a connection that, well, if I listen to what that tzaddik says, I'll be connected to him. It says, these are connections that Hashem created. That's how the, that's how the tree of neshamas work in a generation. That connection happens. He says, even if someone uh, says, I don't want to be connected to the tzaddik, they're connected anyway because that's how the neshama receives their vitality to Hashem. That's how the connection is there. So this is... Can I ask a question? Yes. Now, what about the fact that um, it's the mother who determines that the child is Jewish? Okay. We're talking about the father. How things come from the father. Okay. So what's the... I'm not sure what the question is. In other words, the, the mother, in halacha, the mother determines if a child is a Jew is not a father. That's correct. But as far as the creation of the body of a child, here he's talking about that the mother is how it develops and the father is the essence of it. There's two different um, subjects here. You're talking about the halacha. Isn't the, essence, isn't, the, isn't the DNA come from both sides of the parents, the mother and the father? Possibly. There's de- definitely there's the physical way of how a child is born. But in understanding how the neshama works and develops from Hashem, he's using this metaphor of a father and mother. The mother being the developer here, and the father being the one who supplies the seminal drop. That is the metaphor he's using to understand our relationship with Hashem. Right? How that works with the DNA of father and mother, I, I don't know, but that's not, the, um, that's not the system or the metaphor that the Alter Rebbe is using here in Tanya. Okay? Yeah. So, to, I, I want to, to summarize, to summarize what he said over here. There was a number of steps, and there's perhaps one last that we'll, we'll mention, but to, the summary of the steps is to understand, A, that the essence of every neshama is directly from Hashem. And for that, he used the blowing concept. For that, he talked about the concept of a child and a father, how the essence comes from the father. He talked about the essence of Hashem being the brain of Hashem, mind, so to speak, of Hashem, uh, I'm going to say this again, whenever we say about Hashem, mind or brain, we're not talking about something physical, we're talking about a concept. And we talk about how the Rambam says how that Hashem's essence is connected with His wisdom. And that's where the neshama comes from. Then we talk about the development of those neshamas. Even though at the core, at the essence, every neshama is one with Hashem, as it develops, each neshama receives or becomes its own level or its own part of the big body of neshamas. Ultimately, we are one big body of neshamas, and all connected. And that's really where the mitzvah of, of Achdus Yisrael or Avas Yisrael comes from. We look at ourselves all as one big, large entity. And we also look at ourselves as being incomplete if another Yid is not connected with us. Ultimately, our, our completeness is 
our recognition that we're one big entity, though there are many different levels of people as they develop before they were created as human beings. Then we talk about the, the tzaddik, who becomes the mind neshama of it all, the connector, bringing them together and connecting them back to Hashem. Um, going back to the mimer I mentioned earlier, we start with the words where Hashem tells Moshe, Va'ata titzave as b'nei Yisrael. What does the word titzave mean? To command, but it also means to connect. Tzavsa means to connect. Va'ata, Moshe Rabbeinu, is the big connector. He connects all Klal Yisrael together and all Klal Yisrael to Hashem. That's the function of a Moshe Rabbeinu and the Moshe Rabbeinus of the generations. As the Zohar says, every generation has its Moshe Rabbeinu. Ispashtusa de Moshe b'chaldara v'dara. Ha Moshe Rabbeinu continues throughout every generation. In the last, yes. Can I ask a question? Or do you want to finish? I want to let me finish with the question. In the very last part of the chapter, he says that once we understand this, that every neshama at the end of the day, essentially, is directly from Hashem and connected to Hashem. Therefore, um, the greatest neshamas can be born to simple people, to the simplest of people, because ultimately, it's not the parents who determine what type of a neshama they're going to have, what type of neshama they're going to give birth uh, to, because the neshama is ultimately directed, is, is connected directly to Hashem, and is a part of Hashem. Now he says, to be sure, parents can affect the, the neshama of the children that is being born to them in the more external levels of the neshama, like in its personality traits, or in different expressions, or levushim, he calls them garments, which we'll explain later in Tanya. So parents, through their behaviors, can affect certain more external but important parts of our neshama. But the essence of the neshama, the, the essence of the neshama that's born to a yid is a chilek mimal, is a part of Hashem that develops in the way Hashem wants it to develop and is given to these parents as their child. But that neshama might be a much greater level neshama than their parents even. Because the parents don't determine the neshama. The neshama is a part of Hashem, determined by Hashem, given as a gift into each one of us, and that becomes the essence of who a yid is. It becomes the reason for someone being a yid is because they have the neshama. It's the essence of that yid, and ultimately is not changed by the yid. We use that neshama in serving Hashem. We use that neshama fulfilling our mission in this world. But that neshama in its essential state is a part of Hashem that develops in Hashem's way of understanding how it should be developed and then comes to this, to this uh, is given through these parents into the world and that becomes the essence of that new yid that's born and that becomes the essence of the yid for the rest of their life. And that's how he finishes chapter 2. And next week, chapter 3, we start talking about the various soul powers that there is within that neshama.